Hey everyone, welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Just a quick note before today's episode. This summer, we're completing our series of introduction videos with our final season of filming, and we still need to raise about $30,000 to cover those costs, and we would love you to help us with that. And you can do that by visiting the Spoken Gospel website and clicking on Donate. And by doing that, you can contribute to bringing books like the Book of Revelation to life. And whether that's through a one-time gift or a monthly donation, your support makes all the difference in the world. So thank you so much and enjoy today's podcast. Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit dedicated to the idea that every part of the Bible, Old Testament and New, is about Jesus. And this podcast is our experiment to publicly test that belief. Every episode, hosts David Bowden and Seth Stewart work through a biblical text to see how it helps us see and savor Jesus. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Yes. Seth, how are you feeling today? It's the early morning edition. Yeah, we. This is the early morning edition for us. It's uh, it's, it's like six fifteen. We logged on a.m., yeah, which great. is it's great. We're <laughs> we're doing it before our children wake up because we're under quarantine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we we so I brought my podcast stuff home. You, you're used to having your podcast stuff home. Uh, yeah, so I just, way... just figured that me trying to do a podcast while three kids run around the basement above me is just not going to work. <laughs> So six fifteen a.m. It is. Yeah, and so uh, that's fun, and uh, and this is a this is a strange time. We just finished the Torah uh, uh, on the podcast here. We just finished Deuteronomy, um, and we were about to jump into some new series. And um, and Seth called me yesterday and was like, David, I think we need to get on the podcast and publicly reflect on Psalm ninety one. And, uh, and I just want to like Seth, just like you, you can take some time and tell us why, like what, why is that Psalm on your heart and what are you hoping to achieve by reflecting on it today in the midst of the coronavirus outbreak and quarantine and this strange season of slowing down and fear and all this stuff. Yeah. I, um, it's actually funny. Psalm 91 is one of the few Psalms that like, I remember from my childhood, like my parents made me memorize it when I was like 13 or 14. Uh, so like in my head, like my mind will go there fairly frequently and remember like just little bits of this Psalm. And so I was headed to, um, elders meeting, uh, yesterday at our church and we were just going to be praying. We were going to pray for a little over an hour. And like this Psalm kept coming to mind, particularly the phrase, a thousand may fall at your side in verse seven, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you and no plague come near your tent. So there's not very, that plague is such a serious word. Like it's not used a ton in scripture. Mm. I'm not used to thinking in terms of plagues and viruses and outbreaks Mm -hmm. and pandemics. And so obviously like my mind goes here. Mm. I'm like, wow, um, what does it mean for us to be protected from plagues? in a time where everybody seems either anxious about a plague or actually sick from one. Mm. Uh, what does Psalm 91 actually have to say to uh, say to me, to us, to our listeners in a time when plagues are everywhere? Like seems yeah. to be like omnipresent. Like what does the Lord say when our enemies like seem this large and this big or this threatening or this like, even if they're, even like some people say it's it's um, overblown and like it's not even as big of a deal as it really is. Like, so what do you do when you don't know who your enemy is? You don't know how prevalent he is, but it's just he's just like lurking yeah. in the shadows. So what do we do with that anxiety? How do we come to the Lord? And so yeah. I thought Psalm 91 would be a great place to just process for myself yeah. um, and for our listeners. Like, what do you do when the enemy seems larger than you can control or just invisible? Mm. And you don't know how scared you should be. Right. How is Jesus good news in that scenario? Yeah, I think it's also interesting that, that we're going to use Psalm 91 to talk about, about that because I've seen it pop up in the last uh, week and a half um, over and over again as 
news of COVID-19 kind of started spreading around. Um, and the, the gist that I'm getting from people who quote this psalm is like a sense of like blind, indifferent protection almost yeah. from this plague. And I've heard people like almost name it and claim it, this psalm. Yeah. Where it's like, I definitely grew it, up it, like that. Yeah. 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 If you've made the most out of your dwelling place, no plague will come near your tent. So believe in God and there will be this shelter around you and you will not get the disease. And so it's like, is that what this psalm is saying? Like, that's something I want to, like, that we need to process. Yeah. Um, that's definitely like, as a kid, how I thought of it. Like, hey, if I pray enough, like, I'll never get sick again. I'm bulletproof. Like, right. <laughs> like yeah. but I don't really think that's what's going on here. But, um, Spoiler alert to everyone. All the tension is gone. We should definitely talk about that. (laughs) Uh, Awesome. Okay. Well, then let's. um, We're going to do. We are still going to do this like we normally do it. We're going to. We're going to do our normal exegesis. We're going to try to position this um, text in its um, near context and its canonical context, and we'll look at the details of it and then see how it points to Jesus. We're. Yeah. We're not doing a. This isn't a topical sermon. Right. This, this, this is, is what still, does the Lord say to us in times of trouble? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So this is Psalm 91. Okay. An interesting thing, if we're going to start with Psalm 91 about this, is uh, positioning it inside the Psalter itself. Yeah. Is, Psalter is, is helpful. Just fancy word for the Psalms. Right? Oh, yes. <laughs> is, that, is that all it means? Is that, it means just psalm, song book, Psalter? Yeah. The Psalm book. Psalm yeah. book. And so um, inside the Psalms, there are five books. Um, and uh, we've actually talked about this on our introduction to the Psalms. A long time ago. Yeah. I think that was with Jeff Vanderstelt, right? uh Uh-huh. I think so. I think so. And um, and so anyway, and so this is at the very opening of book four, which um, if you're reading the end of book three, it kind of seems like this is the the moment that the Psalms are mapping onto David's life. And at the end of Psalm three, you kind of see uh, um, the apparent demise of David's kingdom. And so Psalm four opens and you're like, what hope is there? And yeah. Psalm four opens, and it's a Psalm of Moses, and it's it you know it's it's a very interesting yeah. thing. Psalm ninety, which is a Psalm right before this one opens, and it's a Psalm of Moses. And uh, many scholars believe that ninety, ninety one, and ninety two form a, a literary unit, and they were they were used in liturgy and practice um, together um, by ancient Israel, and and so uh, there's like this interesting story that's being told with these three Psalms. Uh, and, and the story is basically um, Moses is, um, is is kind of like, it sounds like he wrote Psalm 90 in, in the book of Numbers, like during the book of Numbers, because it's just like yeah, plagues we, everywhere. We just did the song of Moses in Deuteronomy 32. Is there like, are there overlaps with that one as well? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, there, yeah. It, it, it does sound very similar that like God's anger and judgment are going to come against the wicked. Um like what hope is there? Everyone's gonna die. Uh, their their days are like uh, are like a blink of an eye. You know the grass withers and dies, and mm-hmm. man will return to dust for from dust he came. And and yet God is from everlasting, everlasting. Like what are our days to compare to Him? And it's just like it kind of just ends with this question of like, can we live with God? Like can yeah. can we live in this if David, world? David, <laughs> the best of us, the yeah. best king can't bring God's kingdom. Can we live here? Is that kind of the question you come into book four asking? Yeah, definitely. You're like, yeah, if, if David's kingdom is not going to realize the, the, the perfect version of God dwelling with us, then what hope is there at all? And so like Psalm 90 opens up that question and then 91 comes and answers it. And 91 comes and says, it's all about where you're putting your faith. Yeah, which even goes back to Deuteronomy 32, where, where he talks about like trusting the rock when he didn't trust the rock at Meribah, it's like it, it comes back to that moment where like, do you trust? Do you believe in God? Right. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And then right after that in Psalm 92, and then we'll look at 91, right after that is a Psalm for the Sabbath, which is really interesting. So it's, it's like, can we live with God? Can we find safety in this world? Psalm 91 says, yes, if you trust the Lord, you'll see his salvation. And then Psalm 92 is a psalm of rest, like, and it's and it's a psalm of rejoicing. Like it talks about how it's good to come near the God with tambourines and singing and rejoicing and thanksgiving, and like that is the place that God's salvation gets us. That in the midst of 
thousands falling at our side in the midst of plague there is rest and sabbath mm. and thanksgiving and joy to be had and so i think that is liturgically yeah. and in kind of the near chapter context yeah. of psalms that's what's even happening. like even like in Moses, like the narrative of Moses, like, will God give us the promised land? Like, is this adulterous and mm -hmm. stiff-necked people going to enter into the promised land? There's this song of Moses saying, no, trust in the Lord. Psalm 91, trust in the Lord. He will deliver us. And then there's rest as they enter into the promised land. Oh, that's true. Joshua. It is. It's like, right, like yeah, it's mapped like, onto the story of like Deuteronomy and Joshua. That's yeah. very interesting. And which I think there might be a lot of references to the Exodus story in Psalm 91. Mm -hmm. So uh, we should talk about that in a second. Yes. But that's super helpful. I didn't know a lot of that. So diving into verse one of Psalm 91, yes. then he who dwells in the shelter of the most high will abide in the shadow of the almighty. I will say to the Lord, uh, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So first thing you should know is like, this is a di like the perspective changes multiple times in the Psalm. Mm -hmm. And so this first two verses, you have the author's like declaration of faith. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. So whether this is David or Moses or whoever, it's a personal declaration of faith and trust in God. Yep. And then in verse 3, he switches and he begins to like proclaim the promises of God over the people of Israel. For he will deliver you, verse 3, from the snare of the fowler. Does that make sense? Like this mm -hmm. perspective from personal yeah. trust. Yeah, you have these different uh, pronouns, what you're saying. You have he, yeah. and then I, and then you. And so the idea here, it's a very it's it's very different form for um, a psalm, especially this is a wisdom psalm, um, and also a psalm of assurance. And it's very different for a psalm to, to, to just kind of make these declarations over people. He who dwells in the shelter of the yeah. Most High. Uh, and 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 so he's 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 ma he's extending this to people as a promise, like I, this is for you. Uh, and and that language is is also very reminiscent of um, wisdom literature as a whole. And it's like you know, uh, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. It's it's this like here is a here's a path of wisdom for you if you want to choose to live by it. And um, and then and then he says uh, that it's also a very personal decision that you have to make. Yeah. It's, I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress. And so, yes. yeah, anyway, it's kind of a, it is a distinctive of this specific psalm. And then I thought it was fascinating that, there, that in, in just those two verses, there are four names of God mentioned. Yes. There's f like, and like every level of God's name. So there's mm -hmm. the most high. That's like, which is, um, I think the first time it's used is when, um, after Abraham defeats all of his enemies and he meets Melchizedek, mm. I think that's like so. Oh, there's like I didn't look into that. Kind of like battle, like the Most High, the God who routes the enemies. Mm. Like, and there's this tithe given. Yeah, I know that. It, then, I know that Most High is also tied really closely to the temple itself. Okay, yeah. which I was wondering, like in the shelter of the Most High. Yeah, like is that, that like a that's, code for temple? It is, but it but it also isn't. So like people, okay. like, so it's like it can mean the temple, and 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 this is actually this formula of he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. That language formula was apparently used as people walked through the portico of the temple, the arch, the the gate, the okay, entryway. Okay, okay. Yeah. That you could kind of picture a person saying. This is on their lips as they walk into the gate of the temple. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, and like, and you can see them walking into the so temple as the shadow of the archway it, like falls on you. Yeah. Know, like he who dwells mm -hmm. in the shelter of the Most mm -hmm. High shall abide in the shadow, like so the, the shadow. shadow of the temple, mm -hmm. of the temple itself, like covers you as you walk through it. Oh, that's yeah, that's yeah. super interesting. But then in exile, when this psalm was used, you know, people were able to think about this and God's presence in a different way after the temple was destroyed. Mm -hmm. And so that's when it's like, well, it also doesn't just mean the temple because the most high is everywhere, you know? And yeah. so anyway, yep. Super cool. Super interesting. Yeah. So the most high is one name. Yep. And then the almighty. Yeah. The almighty. He will abide in the shadow of the almighty. Um, so I get a great name of like power and might. Yes. And then I will say to the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh <laughs> God's personal name. And I, so the, I don't know if you remember Deuteronomy 6, 3 where it says, Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do the law, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly. As the Lord your... Oh, wait, that's the wrong one. Oh, shoot. 
was quoting the wrong verse. <laughs> Where is it? Oh, Exodus. It's Exodus 6.3, not Deuteronomy 6.3. Uh, oh. Exodus 6.3. Exodus 6.3 says this, I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but my mm. by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. Wow. So I will buy the shed of the Almighty, and then I will say to Yahweh, so like within the space of like one verse, you have like this, the whole canon of like the whole Pentateuch like summed up in one verse. I will buy in the shadow of the Almighty the name that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob knew, but I will say to the Lord Moses Himself, mm. Yahweh, my refuge and my fortress. I thought that was super cool. It is. It's it's, uh, it's a big deal whenever you're switching from these high lofty names for God. And then you switch the personal covenantal name of God that was revealed to mm -hmm. God's people and is linked to God's covenant. And you say, that is the God who is my refuge and my fortress. And, yes. and refuge and fortress, those are military terms. Like that's like a, an outpost mm -hmm. or like a strong wall that keeps yeah. you from the enemy. Um, yeah, the personal name of God. And then just and then, Elohim. And, but my my Elohim. Elohim, yeah, my so like Elohim's like the general name for God, probably like the least personal yeah. or like the most general. Mm -hmm. But like the personal name of God, Yahweh, is met by like my God, yeah, my personal, not my personal God, but yes, my personal, yeah, my personal God. God. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I was just like, I don't even know what meaning to make from that, except that it's beautiful. Like, there's four different ways to refer to God. And four different implications for like God's protection and care of us. Mm -hmm. like, well, I mean, I think that if you're taking this turn from Psalm 90, opening up Psalm 1, you're looking and you're looking for shelter and you're looking for protection, you're looking for refuge and a fortress, and you're trying to build your trust and like say to your heart, heart trust in this refuge. It's helpful to say that He is the the most high and lofty one, that he has all power, he's the almighty, that he's the personal covenantal God of your forefathers, and that he is your God. He's not the nation's God, you know, he's not the God of someone else, he's not a stranger's God, he's the God who comes near, he's your God. So I think it like all those stacking terms for God, like builds yeah. trust mm -hmm. in this God. Or even like, so let's, let's we're, we're in a time of coronavirus, like God both is the God who is powerful to save. He's the mighty God. He's the one who can wipe out viruses. He can wipe out armies. And he's also our God who's in our homes with us. Like God is both mighty to save in front of us. Like even the, the phrase like, we'll abide in the shadow of the almighty. Mm -hmm. He's in front like of that's, us. Yeah. He's in front of us, like actively like absorbing the blows. Wow. And he is in our living rooms with us. Mm. He abides with us. He lives with us. He's my God. So I was like, even those like, like he's both personal, and yeah, like military. Oh, like so military. Good. I mean, and we yeah. get that kind of stuff from the next few verses that talk about God having giant wings, and we come oh, yeah. and we come and sit under them, and it's this picture, straightforward of like a mother bird with her hens, and you come and you nestle in, and you're safe under God's wing. But then he's also like you said, this warrior who goes before you. Uh, yes. and, and yeah, it is like this. I think you're absolutely right mm -hmm. to say that this is the picture that the psalmist is trying to give us here, that God is a warrior who goes before us, but he's also a personal tender God who comes near. And like what good yeah. news, especially in a time like this, where you are home more than you're used to being and you're, mm -hmm. you know, you're locked away and there's yeah. a God who comes near and nestles, nestles up next to you on the couch and it comforts you and your family but he's also out there in the world fighting and yeah. defending and like that's just that's that's good news. Those are good picture like good categories for God. He's not just the intimate like boyfriend Jesus, you know, like <laughs> he's like he's also he's like he's both like yeah. he's doing those things for us. Yeah. Um well, should we talk about um should we talk about like what the what is this this terror that seems to be preoccupying the yeah. psalmist here. He's he's clearly talking about there is a deadly pestilence. There, mm -hmm. there. Uh, we need refuge. A terror of the night. There's a terror a thousand, of the night. Yeah, a thousand are falling at our right hand. Ten thousand at our are or at our left. Ten thousand at our right. All the cards on the table. I think he's talking about the Exodus. 
I think all of these like terms are got I like a retelling of the Exodus narrative in poetic form. And I get that from verse 10. No evil shall befall you, uh, be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. So I did a little bit of work on that word plague. And I realized like it's used all throughout the Old Testament to refer to like God's judgment on evil, oppressive people. And most of the time, it's used to refer to the plagues of Egypt. Like, most times, it refers to either them. It happens most often in Exodus when, like, the plagues are being poured out. But the prophets will all make use of those same languages and refer back to the Exodus. And even when it's not used about the Exodus story, it's always about God's judgment and his punishment of evil, wickedness, oppression, sin, like it's always used of God's judgment. So when I, as soon as I thought that, well, if it's Exodus, then like pestilence means flies and frogs and locusts. The terror of the night is the angel of death. A thousand may fall at our side and 10,000 at our right hand, but we'll only look with our eyes at the reward of the wicked. That's actually literally what happened in the land of Goshen when Israel was huddled in their slave tenements and they were looking over the border into the city of Pharaoh, and it was falling apart. Like, even that phrase, he will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you'll find refuge. Like, that's the picture of what was happening in Israel. Like, God, like there's this God's punishment of evils falling on the land of Egypt, but there's this, like, covering over the people, like these feathers, mm-hmm. these, like, wings gathering. And, like, yeah. I, I got this picture of, like, hailstones bouncing off the feathers and, like, oh. locusts be like a force field, like, almost yep. like yep. there's, like, this protection from the punishment of God by God himself. Like, wow. he's, like, reigning on Egypt where, where Israel lives, um, but protecting them, covering them, absorbing, like, all that all that um, punishment, all that hail and locust Ooh, and wow. death, yeah. So that they're protected. That's so when I re yeah. right, and so when yeah. I reread this, I was like, he like he covers. I I, I couldn't help but read it in a lot of the Exodus story yeah. after that. You know, I think you're supposed to. Um, and man, that's really beautiful. I was just like, I like close my eyes and worship as you talked about like this this image of of because god said i'll make it in exodus god says i'll make a distinction between israel and egypt and um the hailstones or uh the plague or whatever will will happen will happen to egypt but not you and it was like you know these force fields were around israel (laughs) and i this image of god's wings wrapping around his people as these giant stones from heaven fall and crush the enemies of Israel and yet they yeah. don't crush Israel not because God had bad aim or really good aim the picture here is that yeah, yeah. God is sheltering them to take the blow of his own judgment right which is the, the only way that you beautiful. can like if he if he says that his faithfulness is a shield and buckler like a shield was like everyone knows what a shield is like yep. this full body thing and a buckler was like this kind of like smaller shield yep. you held in your circle. non-dominant hand mm-hmm. little circle thing but like you don't need to wear those things unless you're actually fighting. That's right. So like there's not it's not like they were it's not as if God just like ha- there was like some kind of like it's not as if there was a force field around Israel. Mm-hmm. I keep using that word, but that's like impersonal and like so what like it's not as if there's a force field around Israel. It's that Israel would have been crushed by the hailstones. Right. Their their crops would have been eaten. All their water would have been turned to blood. But there was somebody covering them with their feathers. Mm-hmm. There was somebody standing above Israel with a shield, protecting them, fighting off the, the little other blows with the buckler. Like there was somebody actively involved in making sure the judgment on Egypt did not befall God's people. Right, and I think that that is the hermeneutical key, or just like mm-hmm. say a different way, um, the thing that will make this whole passage make sense. Um, yeah, is, under, so is understanding that this pestilence, this plague, this battle that's being fought is the wrath of God against sin, that this is yeah. God's judgment. And that is, we, we not only get that from the allusions to the Exodus story here, we also get that from the context of the Psalms itself. That yeah. and if go read mm-hmm. Psalm 90, the whole tension is God's judgment against sin. And so... Psalm 90 is asking the question, 
how will we escape the righteous and good judgment of God against our own sin? And like, that's why I said, I think, you know, uh, Moses wrote that during the book of Numbers yeah. when, uh, when Numbers, uh, when, when we see the, the old generation dying again and again and again and again in Numbers and their number yeah. and they're literally, we're seeing a thousand fall at their side. We're seeing 10,000 fall at, at the younger generation's right hand. We're seeing literal plagues sweep through yeah, yeah, yeah. the camp and kill people. And the younger generation had to be thinking, is this going to come for us? Like it's come, yeah. it's literally like next door. Is it going to come for me? I know God promised that the younger generation that I'm a part of will enter the promised land and find rest, you know, Psalm 92 rest, but is it going to come for us? I don't know. And, uh, and this it just seems to be answering that question. And so I think it's yeah. just something to remember. I think it's yes, absolutely. So, uh, the story of the Exodus. And I think it also continues into the book of numbers uh, and I think it's just, this is, this is what happens, um, over yeah. and over and over again in the biblical story that, um, God's God protects his people yeah. from his own anger at evil. Yeah. Like his own anger at sin. Yep. Okay. So we have these external evils mm-hmm. that are oppressing God's people and then God himself coming in and dealing with them, yes. destroying them. Right. And so, like, even the phrase, you will not fear the terror of the night. Well, for those who call on, make God their refuge, mm. it's not terror. Right. Right? Like, like, oh, I don't need to, f- it's not a terror to me. Mm. It's not intended for me. The arrow that flies by day isn't aimed at me. Yeah. Or if it is aimed at me, I have a God who's absorbing the arrow, like right. getting the arrow stuck in his feathers so I won't experience it. Mm-hmm. The pestilence that stalks in darkness cannot come near me. I will only look with my eyes on the reward of the wicked. Not because I'm inherently better than the wicked people, but I have a God who's fighting for me because I have trusted in him. I was going to keep going, but I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> no, it's really good. I, I think it's just what you're doing is you're walking through the text, I think reflecting on it in the way that it wants us to, which is like... Um, there, there are the, this. There's this outside judgment coming for sin, and that sin, that that judgment for sin, is something I deserved, and it would have come near my tent, just like the Passover. You know, the angel of death would have come near my yeah, tent, yeah, yeah. but I have made the most high my dwelling. I've trusted in the Lord. I've painted the blood over my doorframe, and so I can. Mm. Whenever the whole rest of Egypt is afraid, when the whole rest of the world is afraid, I don't have to be because I am trusting in the Lord. Like I've made him my dwelling place. I've put my stock in him. And so the question I kind of want to ask now is um, like people want to equate this plague and this pestilence with COVID-19. Right. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is that responsible or mm. horrible or is there a healthy way to do it? Or Because if you said that COVID-19 is the plague mentioned right here Mm -hmm. which you're real like if and if they agreed with us up to this point what they would really be saying is that covid19 is part of god's judgment against evil right you would have to Uh, say that you would have to say that that's particularly hard because the people that are most likely to die from this are elderly people it's people that are like immunosuppressed Mm -hmm. it's people who we normally equate with being already vulnerable in society and we know god cares for those people and we know that god cares for those people so to say that feels really overwhelming yeah um and i've had to wrestle through that myself as i've been like because i came into the text oh plague that's got to be COVID 19 and then realizing oh if plague is (laughs) like if plague is god's judgment against evil does that mean that COVID 19 is that the elderly among us are evil mm. and God is punishing them. Right. Like that's no. like the question I keep asking yeah. that I like, that's the way that I keep like, I don't want to answer that question because that's, I don't want to say that. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that like, I think it, what's helpful here is, is to remember a few things. Um, like one, um, he's talking about the Exodus story, uh, which was a very unique um, event in the world. God was redeeming yeah. a people for himself uh, and doing this grand cosmic historical um, gesture 
to um, show us what, how salvation is going to look and how he, he's going to redeem us ultimately in Jesus. And so like, that is a very one-time kind of event that's happening there. Yeah. Um, and so where he's using plagues uh, to bring about and enact his punishment. That's one thing to remember, that it's it's a very unique event that, they, that they're reflecting on. The second thing to remember... Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, but... But yeah, you go, no, go, go. You you go, and then I'll go. Okay. <laughs> the second the second thing to remember um, is the the second situation in which um, people would have been using this psalm um, in Israel to reflect, which was the exile. And in the exile, God's judgment came not through plagues um, and disease and frogs and hailstones. It came through the armies of Assyria and Babylon, and uh, you know, and 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 yet there were these remnants, um, you know, strewn around. The, the different kingdoms of the world that the, that the prophets said God would bring back into the land and that the plagues of uh, you know, Babylon is called a plague a few times in the, in, in the prophets, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. That's, that's, yeah. that's exactly right. And that's part of the reason why I feel okay interpreting plague as like God's judgment yes, because it's using the prophets exactly to describe right. Babylon and Assyria. Yeah. And, and so yeah. like if this is the plague that, pe- that, that that's happening – it's okay. So it's not just diseases. It's also, it's also armies and governments, you know, God uses to, to bring about judgment. So like there's two very unique situations Mm. that we can think about God's judgment and this idea of plagues punishing people. And in Egypt, it was, uh, or in the Exodus, it was Egypt. And yet in the exile, it's Israel that's punished. But like, that's God using both like microbiology and the most powerful nations on the earth. Dang. Do you know what? Yep. It's like there's my, like the, the most high and my God. It's like mm-hmm. the highs and the lows. It's yeah, yeah that's yeah. crazy. That's nuts. The the highest seat of power and the lowest but, field of biology. <laughs> yeah, it's like the like yeah, okay. Continue that's nuts. Yeah, the third thing is just is just more of a statement um about like just how to view the world um and God's sovereignty over it. And that is that God does use uh world events and biology and things like that to enact his will to restrain evil to punish Mm -hmm. evil but also to correct us and discipline us so when it comes from a father um towards a christian when it comes from god towards a christian and towards a believer it's meant to be corrective not punitive you know and like that that's something to remember yeah so like god does use those things but we also know that that the world is just fallen the created order is just mm-hmm. fallen and broken and there's death introduced in the world now and weeds and thorns and entropy. Like these things just exist yeah, now it. in the world as part this, of it being fallen. Yeah. And it's so part of the natural consequence yes. of being out of the That's garden right. of Eden. So we do not need, and neither should we feel the burden to equate every natural, biological, political disaster to the active wrath of God. That's just not healthy or appropriate biblical thinking. Um, when God used plagues to punish Egypt, he sent a prophet Moses to tell them that this was the wrath of God. When God sent yeah. Babylon to punish Israel, he sent prophets to tell them that this was the wrath of God. Like, and so yeah. I'm just, uh, those are very unique events, which is why I brought that up. And so like, this is interesting. So I just think yeah. I think it's helpful to to separate those two things and say we don't necessarily need to find in COVID nineteen the active wrath of God. It's just it, right. it could very much be just that we're in a broken world and there's viruses and illness and death in it. But even if I think even if it is just a product of being a broken world, it's also um, not outside of God's power to protect us from it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, yeah. I think, I mean, at the very least, I can take away that from this. <laughs> like, that God is my God. He's fighting for me. Uh, by the stripes of Jesus, Isaiah, I am healed. I don't have to fear COVID-19. I don't have to, like, fear a pestilence that stalks in darkness. And I think that's the way a lot of people experience this coronavirus. It's uh, it's stalking. It's Nobody a, knows it's where it is. It's an invisible enemy. Yeah. It's an invisible enemy. It could be at any countertop in anybody's hand within six, within eight, seven feet of you. It could be there. Yeah. Just keep to your six foot bubble, like there. So even if it is just a natural, like we don't have to attribute it as the active wrath of God against sin, 
I am I still allowed then to say, no, no, the Lord protects me even when the enemy is just the world itself, right? Yeah, I think I think there's two sides of that. I think we, in saying that, we don't need to equate COVID-19 to the active wrath of God. In the same way, um, God is over and is sovereign, is, has, and this is going to offend people, but has sovereignly <laughs> ordained COVID-19. Like, he's not outside of it. Like, it wasn't like an accident. And he's like, oh, crap, that wasn't supposed to happen. You know, like, and now he's trying yeah. to, like, protect us. That's not how it works. Um, God, like, and, and also we need to remember that all the brokenness in the world is in a sense part of the curse from God. And so all pain, illness, things like that is just part of the judgment that stands against us generally against sin. That, that, yeah. um, like that's just part of being under the curse and that curse is from God. And so in the, the same wages of sin yeah, is, is death. death. Right. And so I say all yeah. that to kind of pad the other side of this, of this conversation is to say that like, just, just, I'm not saying like, we, we don't need to say that everyone who dies from COVID-19 is under the wrath of God. That's just not the way I, I want to paint this picture. You know, right. but nevertheless, just being in a fallen world is part of being in the, under the wrath of God. All death yes. is a part of being, is part of the punishment right. for evil and sin. Right. So COVID-19, car crashes. Yes. Um, heart disease. Yeah. Um, cancer. Right. They're like, this, is God actively like manipulating cells to kill people faster? No. Right. That's not what we're saying. But sin... Sin. always brings with it death. That's right. It's just part of right. the consequence of being sinful people in a world that's cursed. And, and what so, that's doing yeah. for me, oh, sorry, what that's doing for me then is like, it's like, I don't, th this text isn't really talking about how much or how little is God in control of the plague of death. What it's really about is God's protection of us yes, from that thing. that's right. Yeah. It's the fact that he is our shield in that time. Mm -hmm. that he's our buckler. That he's like, um, a mother bird protecting its children. The emphasis is here isn't on to what extent is or is not the plagues that we experience, the will of God, the ordained sovereign mm -hmm. plan. It's the fact that when there are plagues, when there are terrors of the night, when there is a pestilence that stalks and you don't know where it is, there is a God who is a refuge, a fortress, a protector an absorber of those things. Mm -hmm. Like yep. that's where this text lands us. <laughs> that's right. That's absolutely right. And and so I think to go back to your point that you were trying to make earlier, now that we've balanced the other side is, can we trust in God to physically protect us? You know, that's the question you were, you were asking can, like, okay, so maybe it's not the active wrath of God, but can't he protect us from COVID-19? You know, like, isn't right. And, and, and I think it's helpful to remember what, what genre of Psalm we're reading that this is wisdom literature here in this Psalm. Mm. And part of wisdom literature is this, if then relationship with the world, um, that, you know, if you live wisely, you're, you're, it will go well with you in life that you yeah. are, because you are syncing yourself up with the sovereignly created order that Yahweh has, you know, put in place over how he made everything. And so when you live in accordance with the creator in his creation, see things tend to just go with the grain. They, they tend to just go well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so what's happening here is, is the psalmist is taking that idea and applying it to like hard life situations where mm -hmm. it's like, if you trust in God, it generally goes well for you in those hard life situations. But we need to remember that there are holes and exceptions in the wisdom literature. Right, like, just because you live wisely doesn't mean nothing bad ever happens to you. <laughs> Against the people who want to use this verse and say, "See, God will always protect us, no matter the disease." Yeah, go. No matter so the go hardship. lick a counter. Go go lick subway right. poles. It doesn't matter. Yeah, that that's not what it's saying. Right. What it's saying is that we have a God who protects us. Yeah. We have a God who loves us. We have a God who's like a mother hen protecting its children, absorbing. Um, punishment yeah we have a man fighting for us with both shield and buckler but that does not mean sometimes the blows won't land that's right like that doesn't that does not what it means no it's not and i think that's what's so important about this text is it 
and why I love talking about it in the midst of COVID-19 is because like this elevates our view. Like our view needs to be elevated above this disease and above quarantine and above sickness and hospitals. Like we need to put our hope in something bigger and more lasting. You know, what, 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 what yeah. realization did you have? I was going to say that actually that actual interpretation that no, nothing bad will happen to us. Mm -hmm. uh, if we trust in this Psalm perfectly yeah. is actually what Satan tempts Jesus with in the wilderness. Exactly. Right. Yep. That's where we need so, to go so, next is how all this so the, ties into Jesus. Yeah. Right. It's like, oh, throw yourself off this mountain. Mm -hmm. Is it? And then Satan quotes yep. Psalm 91. He does. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. Satan's temptation to Jesus is, hey, didn't God promise always every single time to protect you from every single thing if you just trust in him? And mm -hmm. Jesus' response is, you shall not put your Lord, your God, to the test. It's not about some formulaic like A plus B equals outcome C. Right. It's trusting God with your life. Yep. And when he does that, what happens? Satan is defeated. Mm -hmm. Like his temptation is overruled. And what is verse 13? You will tread on the lion and the serpent. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Like when Jesus refuses the devil's temptation, yep. admitting that there are times when he will be hurt by God's punishment for sin, refusing not only to be protected, he crushes the head of the serpent, just like Genesis 3.16 promised he would. And by Jesus refusing to believe that Psalm 91 guarantees protection for all time, he covers us with his feathers. Mm -hmm. He absorbs the hailstones, right? Yeah. Like, if we believe that this psalm is always guaranteeing us safety and security, Jesus himself disproves that. Mm -hmm. Because God's own son was not perfectly safe and perfectly secure. That's right. Yeah, God, this is, it's, it's ironic, too, that, that we would, like, use a wisdom psalm as an excuse to act unwisely. <laughs> like, yeah, like to lick the subway poles. To lick the subway poles. <laughs> it's like, that's not what this is about, that you're just like, this isn't saying, like, hey, Babylon's coming, uh, everything's cool, you're going to be safe, trust in the Lord. And so someone's like, oh, awesome, I'm just going to run out naked onto the battlefield and see what happens, because I have a force field. It's like, that's not what we're talking about here. You know, it, it wasn't that in, I mean, look at the Exodus story. Those who trust in the Lord will dwell in the shelter of the Most High, put the blood over the doorposts, and stay inside. You know, like, yeah. this trusting in the Lord does not look like running after the angel of death with a come and get me, you know, sign tied around your neck. Like, that's yeah. not that's not acting wisely. You know, so there is wisdom in, in trusting God and putting your ultimate hope and faith in Him while staying inside and practicing social distancing. You know, like, yeah. there's, there's wisdom there uh, that I think is really important for us to see. Um, anyway, and so I, I, th there's just so many ways to see Jesus in this Psalm that I want us yeah. to go through and just reflect yes. on because ultimately this is the, if I, I don't know about you, maybe your, yours is different and which is totally fine. But for me, like what I want to walk out of from the Psalm thinking about is that I have a greater hope that I have, that there, there is a, one day that all sickness will be gone, that one day mm. all death will be defeated and that no matter what happens, on this earth or in my home or in my body, like there is salvation for me and there is a bigger, badder judgment coming that I will only look at with my eyes no matter what happens to me in COVID-19 or yeah. World War Three or whatever, you know, <laughs> like, right. so uh, let's look at Jesus because that's the, that's the beauty of this text ultimately. Yeah is Jesus. And so we said it multiple times and there's just, it, it bears recapping here and then showing Christ in it is this figure uh, uh, who stands before us and uh, in battle and we hide behind him in his shadow. These wings that cover us that take the pelting hailstones, this tent in which we hide that, um, you know, shelters us from the storm. Like this temple that we dwell in. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is a picture, all these gorgeous, beautiful, multi-prismatic ways to see what happens in the body of Jesus on the cross. Like he stands on the cross, taking the blow for our sin, taking the punishment that is coming for us as wicked people. Um, yeah. Like we, like we should, we should see that, that he is taking uh, God's judgment on himself 
so that the terror does not come near us. Yeah. We get to hide behind him, yeah. behind the cleft of the rock and like take shelter in Jesus' body from the from the active wrath of God that we absolutely do deserve. Yeah, I don't think of the cross as like this active active protection against yeah. um the punishment of God against evil. Like I don't like it's like it's always in my mind it's like it feels like this giving up or like not passive because it took a lot of effort to go to the cross, but like there's like but like to think of as Jesus is stretching out his hands on the cross is that also him covering his people with his wings. Yes. It's like this it's really profound. It's a really profound picture of what the Lord did in Israel, mm-hmm. but also what Jesus continues to do for us. Right. And so I just think that's a beautiful thing that we need to name. Another is this idea of thousands falling at our side and 10,000 at our right hand. That um, ultimately this, this kind of day will happen when Jesus returns. Like there will be a day of judgment when the whole world will be put under the pestilence of God's judgment. And, you know, people will, will like say, you know, the wicked will say to the mountain, hide me. And they'll go try to bury themselves under, under a mountain. They'll be looking for protection and shelter in absolutely anything, but nothing will be able to protect them. But on that terrifying day, we won't need to fear because that plague won't come near our tent. Like we, because, yeah, it won't come near us. And so that's just like really good news too, that like there is ultimate punishment and judgment coming. But we as Christians don't need to fear it. Why? Because we will only look at it with our eyes. The closest we will come to God's judgment is seeing it. It won't come near us because Jesus has taken our punishment already. Yeah. There's a lot of church fathers that over-spiritualize the psalm uh, and make it all about demons. You know? Oh my goodness. Yeah. uh, Did you know that? No. It's all about demons. Um. But I don't think, I think it is fair to say that there are also satanic attacks yes. against God's people. I mean, the flaming arrows, like that's the way Ephesians talks about, like that's the right. flaming darts of the evil one. That's and good. we have the arrow that flies by day right here. And we also have Satan himself quoting this passage of scripture against Jesus in the wilderness. So it's not just yep. personal sin. It's not just eschatological judgment. It's also like the daily pressure of Satan and his forces to get you uh, to give into your uh, desires. I think I think there there is something there because of verse twelve that um, and this is the one that Satan quotes. You know, right yeah. right after the verse Satan quotes, it continues. It's funny that he stops there because yeah. this <laughs> verse thirteen talks about him being defeated. You will right. <laughs> tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent. You will trample underfoot. Like this is talking about the day. This is Genesis three fifteen. That yes. that the, the promise that the serpent's head will be crushed. Like that's the same language here being used. That the serpent will be stepped on by a foot. So funny that he would and, yeah. choose that verse right next to, like uh-huh. right next to so the about destruction. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. Like he's probably studied and like been mad at all these texts of scripture that talk about his <laughs> downfall. It's like, what else does this thing say? Oh, there oh, I can use that one. I, I, I can use that one. <laughs> yeah, totally. And so, um, I, I think that, that that's another place that I wanted us to see Jesus is that there is that ultimately the one who guarded us from the wrath of God is also the one that finally puts an end to sin and death that mm-hmm. he conquers all of these, all of these, um, these, uh, animals, the lion, the adder, the young lion, the serpent are, are all symbols throughout the old Testament of Kings and kingdoms and demonic powers. And, um, like even like the sea serpent, Leviathan and all these, yeah. these, these ancient mythical creatures, like God is saying that, he will crush all of the dominion of darkness and chaos yeah. and evil in the world. He will trample all of it. And in fact, we will trample all yes, of it too. Yes. We will like we will say no to temptation. Yeah. Like God will deliver us from temptation. That's the Lord's prayer. Deliver us from evil, Lord. Like he will do that in us. Yeah. We will become progressively more holy. We will look more like the Jesus who stepped on the snake's head in the first place. Like this is not just what Jesus did, but it's also what Jesus does in us right. through the power of the Holy Spirit. We will trample. We will step on the devil's devices. He has no power or authority over us anymore. Yeah. 
And so, and it also does point us to the new heavens and the new earth when death and the powers of evil will be defeated forever. And there will be no plagues. There will be no sickness. There will be no COVID-19 and quarantine and social distancing and uh, canceled church services and economic downturn and single moms trying to find a way to, you know, keep their job while caring for their kids. Like, it's just like yeah. a horrible time. And like, this will all be over. Like, this will all be better. All of this will be solved and put right. And it's like, I know that sounds like a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. but it's just yeah. the gospel like it's just and like yes. that's good news. i think in times like this when i'm like thinking about wait i'm in like day two of quarantine in oklahoma yeah. and they're saying it might last months and i'm like i really need this good news that this will end not just in oklahoma but forever like i really yeah. need that good news that this will last forever like you do that this won't you last do forever. That good yeah news. <laughs> and so and then let's just end here with so psalm 91 First, ends in a very yeah. unique way it's not. It's no longer the psalmist talking to the the people that he's calling upon to trust in the Lord. It's, it's now himself. God Himself talking, and it says this: because He, whoever this is, who puts their trust in Me, because He holds fast to Me in love. I love that. I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him. And I love the last verse. And I will show him my salvation. Yes. Eight different promises. Mm. When we know the Lord's name, when we love the Lord's name, Yahweh, we love not just the Almighty, but my God, Yahweh's personal name, which is revealed to us also as Yeshua, yeah, Jesus. Right. When we know and trust, when He is Jesus is our shelter, God will deliver us, protect us, answer us, be with us, rescue us, satisfy us, and save us. And I was like just struck too by that. Those are eight different words that when I read them the first like three times, like those are just synonyms for one another. Mm. But they're not. No, like that's good. He delivers us. He like. He snatches us out of the enemy's hands. Like he protects us. He fights and keeps fighting as long as there is an enemy. Like he answers us. He speaks to us. He responds to us. He is also with us when we can't hear him speak to us. He just sits there and is present like Job's helpers were. Jesus rescues us, not just when we're helpless, he rescues us. He overprovides for us. He satisfies us with long life. He demonstrates, he shows us his salvation. He proves that he's powerful to save over the enemies that are arrayed because he rises from the dead. Mm-hmm. He demonstrates that he can save from the enemy, the ultimate plague, the thing that COVID makes us really afraid of. That's right. Death itself. Yep. It's so right. And I just think that that is, that's the place to land this plane. And that's the, that's the place to end on is that your ultimate hope is not surviving COVID-19. Like your ultimate hope is not, you know, you know, staying in your house until this all weathers the storm, which you should definitely do. Like there's wisdom here, right? but that's not your ultimate hope. Your ultimate hope is the fact that there is something far more pervasive that will cover the face of this earth far more than COVID-19 or any other pandemic or, or global political or weather disaster ever could. And that is that like God is going to bring ultimate judgment like he did against Egypt, against the whole world. And are we going oh, I thought to be... you were going to say the glory of God. <laughs> we'll oh, I will get there. I will get there. No, I will get there. But when, you, when he's talking about showing them his salvation, he yeah. does it by like showing us the punishment of the wicked too. Yeah. And we see yeah, yeah, yeah. that when we see the wicked punished and us not because we've hoped in God, that's how we see his salvation. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and so like, that's just like, that's our ultimate hope is that there will come a time when all sin and wickedness, but also all sickness and death and disease and decay and entropy are stripped out of the world. Yeah. And the whole it, world will be covered by his feathers. Yes. And then the whole world. Yes. Then the whole world will be covered with the glory of God. It will be wrapped up in God. The whole world will be nuzzled under the wing of Mama Hen God. You know, like yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. this, it's amazing. It's like it'll, it'll be a fortress for us, but it'll be a fortress whose gates can just stay open. Well, there's no enemies. Because there's yeah. no enemies. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, it's a beautiful text. I mean, is there anything else that you're thinking 
more like low level, even just like applying today Man, as people are like, sitting in their homes. I mean, I can imagine there's people listening to this who have are actively like who are, are infected, like, you know, yeah, right. or have come into contact with somebody who has been infected. And I would just say like, um, you can use this text to pray for healing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like if the God who delivers us from the plague of death in his son, Jesus, how will he not also with him give us all things? That's right. Like we can ask like our good father for healing. Mm-hmm. So like I, I would say one for like people who are sick right now, this is not illegitimate to ask the Lord for healing That's from right. this text. Yep. Um, and so I kind of just want to end like praying for healing for people. <laughs> yeah. But also I would say like, um, I want to like also make this like outward focus in a way too, but like there's, this should be cause us to be compassionate towards those who are suffering under the circumstances. Mm-hmm. God like fought on people's behalf. He covered yeah. them with his feathers. There are people that shouldn't leave their homes right now that we can go buy groceries for. Mm-hmm. There are people who, uh, moms who are homeschooling their kids for the first time and totally overwhelmed. Yeah. It's, you can invite two kids over to your house and help them. Yep. Like There are ways to be present, to be that mothering hen figure, to be that fighting shield figure in this text yourself. You can trample on the temptation to socially isolate yourself. Mm. Yes, we're under quarantine, but that doesn't mean we're not connected. You can engage with your neighbors, FaceTime right. your 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 grandma. <laughs> like yeah. you can do those you can do those things. Um you can enact the role of Jesus That's as really our good. protector and our um deliverer. Yeah. I be love with that. it. Or yeah. be with her. Like be he's with, with her. us. Yeah. He answers him. Answer your text messages from your lonely friends. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Man, that's that's yeah. just a that's a good place to land. I really like that. I think that's good. How do we be like God to people? That's what we're told to do. Be yeah. little Jesuses walking around this world. Like, how do we do that in quarantine? That's a fun it's a fun yeah. challenge. Um, and we do it out of the abundance of the peace and security that we receive in Christ. You know, yeah. we don't do it because we, we're going to try harder than everyone else. We do it because we've reached a place of peace after reflecting on this text and reflecting on the gospel. And that place of peace allows us to go to people who are still in chaos and extend yeah. that peace to them through the gospel and through groceries. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly right. Yeah. So that's really good. Well, Seth, I'm glad God moved on your heart to have us reflect on Psalm 91 today. Um, I'm going to surprise you with something right now live on the air. Oh, no, go for it. I don't, I don't know how you're going to react. Oh gosh! But we um, we are going to do a special series next Ooh. that you're not prepared for. I'm not prepared for it. <laughs> so um, a few months ago, I spent six weeks with Sam Storms, Doctor 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 Reverend Doctor Reverend Doctor Sam Storms, <laughs> uh, talking about how to read the Bible, and um, awesome. we covered a bunch of different genres. We talked about narrative and law and prophecy and uh, wisdom and the gospels and epistles. We talked about all of those in six different episodes. And so I think it's time to release them to the world. Oh, these, man. These conversations That's amazing. Yeah, they're really fun. And so um, Seth and I are going to keep working on um, some other books for you guys. Um we need some time to study and get our heads in some books. And so uh, to make this this transition out of the Torah and into some other genres, it just the learning curve changes when we leave, leave the Torah. And yeah. so we're going to play these interviews I had with Dr. Sam Storms for you guys um, over the next six weeks. They are going to be so good for you to listen to. We spend so, so much time drilling down into the minutia of different texts. These just fly over everything. And how do you read law? How do you read narrative? How do you read epistles? And, uh, you know, Sam is just like a, you know, a renowned evangelical scholar and getting to sit down with him for six weeks and talk about these things. It was an amazing experience and I can't wait to share it with you guys. So that's what's up so next. Fun. Spoken Gospel audience. I was wondering when we have another guest on here. So yep. it's right now. It's right now. <laughs> so next week. So anyway, guys, thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next week with uh, Sam Storms. See you later. See you later. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit that gives all its resources like this podcast away for free because of supporters like you. To help Spoken Gospel in our mission to speak the gospel out of every corner of Scripture and view all our free resources, visit SpokenGospel.com.